right, I'm, I'm so excited, I have been anyway, about this series. I'm excited about wrapping it up today. And I want you to get your Bibles out to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And we're going to begin reading in, in verse uh, 10, 10 through 14. But I'm reading from the Phillips translation. It'll be on the, the J.B. Phillips. It's a modern paraphrase. I love the colorful language that he uses as he's translating this text. Um, and I want to talk today about personalizing. And we covered a lot of ground on the generosity series. And I have up there, we love giving because... That's what we want to be able to be said about us individually and about us corporately as living stones. Those people love to give. Can anybody say amen to that? Um, I, I just want that to be, it's a, and again, it's a testimony not of us, it's a testimony of Christ in us. But we're a loving place. You know, people say, you know, this church loves people. Uh, that's a good testimony. I like that testimony. That's part of our culture. For, uh, one, of our, uh, one of our cultural points here is we want to be passionate about what we do. Amen? We want to be zealous for God. And during our worship, we want genuine passion to be coming off of our hearts for God. So that's another one of our core values. You know, but a, a, one that we want to continue to build in this place is just that every one of us, we just love giving. We love being generous. And so let's take a look this morning, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10. Follow along on the screen with me. It says, he who gives seed to the sower and turns that seed into bread to eat will give you, this is pretty cool, the seed of generosity to sow. That's kind of neat to think of generosity as a seed. God's going to give us seeds of generosity to sow and it says, for harvest, the satisfying bread of good deeds that are done well. Uh, anybody that's blessed, anybody else in their life has had the satisfaction. It's like eating that warm loaf of bread with butter on it. Oh, it's steamy. Mm, you eat it. I know it's lunchtime. I'm getting all of you. Please concentrate. Stay with me. Stay with me. But there's nothing like a warm piece of bread fresh out of the oven with some good old butter on it. And the Bible says that our seeds of generosity, when we sow them, that it results in good deeds that are well done. There's a sense of deep satisfaction when we sow generosity. And look what it says next. The more you are enriched by God, the more the scope, I'm sorry, the more scope there will be for generous giving. So God enriches us. We sow the seeds. The scope of our giving increases. And it says, and your gifts administered through us will mean that many will thank God. So the end result is praise to God. For your giving does not end in meeting the wants of your fellow Christians. In other words, giving doesn't stop within the four walls of this church. It also results in an overflowing tide of thanksgiving to God. Isn't that awesome? Moreover, your very giving proves the reality of your faith. And that means that men thank God that you practice the gospel and that you profess, the gospel that you profess to believe in, as well as for the actual gifts you make to them and to others. And yet further, Paul writes, men will pray for you and feel drawn to you. Why will people pray for us? Why will people be drawn to us? Because you've obviously received a generous measure of the grace of God. How will they know that? Because of all the seeds of generosity that we continue to sow. So I'm personalizing it today. I'm talking about, I want you to think with me about what our church could be like as we embrace a culture of generosity and what you personally will look like and act like as you personally embrace a kingdom culture of generosity in your heart. So here's the first way I want you to kind of shape this with you. I want you to think of your life as a gift. Now, you know, some of us had the problem early on that, you know, we thought we were God's gift to mankind, all right, God's gift to the world. That's not what I'm talking about. I am the gift that you all are, no, no. 
I'm thinking of it this way. We all talked a couple weeks ago, we talked about the fact that, that we didn't choose to be here, right? I mean, you're, you're a product of somebody else's choices, which means you're here not by your own volition, but by the providence of God and the gift of God. Your life is, is here as a gift. And what's powerful is to think that most people go through life and it's all about me and all about myself and, and all about me gathering and hoarding and having enough and my pleasure and my happiness and my, 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 my. And, and if they would just think for a moment that life is not lit to be lived as a hoarder, life is not to be lived looking internally, but life is to be lived as an outward expression that wherever I go, my life, who I am, how God's made me to be, what God's blessed me with is really intended to be a gift for other people. So think of yourself as a gift that God planted in this world. We said that before we can be generous, we must first understand that all we are, all that we possess, are gifts from a generous God to be released for His glory and for the good of other people. Now, Pastor Kevin did an amazing job a couple weeks ago. In fact, if you've missed out on this series, I know there's been a lot of vacations and travel and all that kind of stuff. I encourage you to go back and listen to the podcast because Pastor Kevin established an important biblical principle that we do not even step into the supernatural realm of generosity until we return to God what is His. So you can't say, well, you know, I gave to those, that group over there. I helped buy some turkeys or whatever. You know, I'm generous. No, if you're, not, if you're still not returning to God a tenth of the 100% that's his, remember, it's all his, then we still have not yet moved into the position of living a genuinely generous life. And last Sunday, I got to tell you, from a, from a pastor's heart, I was incredibly excited because of your obedience to God. I mean, you know, when we hear the word of God, God expects us to act on the word and to believe the word. That's why, we, that's why this whole month we've been doing the offering at the end because I believe there's something powerful about talking about the generous heart of God, filling our hearts with faith so that when we worship in our giving, there's faith attached to it. God never wants our worship of him, whether, how I many of you know, you can stand here and look up and sing songs on a screen and not be worshiping. Because it's not the mouth moving and words coming out that's worship. What's worship is when your heart is engaged. And did anybody besides me just feel like your body was almost raptured, like your, your spirit like raptured out of your body today? I mean, just God, all that I am is yours. Wah! You just want to like explode out of your body. That's that means that it's not just singing along, you're not just being religious. I mean, you know, people pass offering plates and just drop something in, and, and that's not what we're talking about either. We're talking about, I mean, an excitement to obey God with faith attached to it, the promises of God as our arsenal, right, our foundation, and when you're doing things for the body of Christ, you're intentional about it. How many of you know there are people for years that serve the church? All right, well, I serve in the parking lot, I serve in the children's ministry, I serve in the nursery but they're doing it out of a sense of religious obligation or duty or guilt. And there's no joy. Which means if there's no joy in the giver, there's no glory going to God. Because God's not into us gritting our teeth and just sucking it up and going through this tough Christian life. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So hard, but I'm doing it. And I know God's going to be wowed. No, he's not. You're making him depressed. If he could be, he'd be depressed. But he's not because he's God. But anyway, the point is in all this, we have to do everything we do in faith, with gratitude, thanksgiving in our hearts to God. And then God gets to glory. And check this out. Supernatural stuff begins to happen. Now, wasn't Tracy's story amazing? God dropped in our children, leaders, heart, 
the figure of 10 grand. How many of you know that's a lot of money? And I'm thinking, okay, we're doing a 5K run. I was counseling with Daniel, and I was like, Daniel, let's make sure, because sometimes the shirt cost is more than the money that you raise. You know what I'm talking about? And I'm like, we got to make money on this thing. It's for a good cause. We need to make sure we make money. And then only Tracy tells her husband about this, and, you know, he's like, really that much? Well, how much did you raise? Okay, after this morning, four. But somebody got inspired by God and wrote a check that doubled it this morning. We went from four to eight, and I didn't know Tracy had this number in her heart. But I just believe that before the day ends today, by the glory of God, we will have $10,000 because our our children's pastor got that in her heart from the Lord. Jesus said, your life is a sacred gift, and it's meant to be given away. Pastor Kevin mentioned Matthew 10, 8, freely you've received, now freely give. So here's the deal. My life is, first of all, a gift to God. And how many of you know when, when you get this and you begin to live this, life really becomes fun? Because what do we do on Sunday morning? Lord, here I am. I'm yours. Take me. I'm yours. I want my life to please you, God. And am I talking to the right crowd? When you, when, when you want to live to please God, then you realize my life is a gift to be given back to him. Secondly, our lives are a gift to his church. Now, I support parachurch ministries, and we believe in parachurch ministries, but only parachurch ministries that direct everything back to the church. Because the church, according to the word of God, is God's agenda, God's vehicle for accomplishing God's purposes. So again, we love supporting other ministries, but as long as those ministries are not islands unto themselves, because we believe that the gifts God's given you, the talents God's given you, the treasure, the testimony God's put in our lives is to be used to fuel the vision of the church in the earth today, amen, to expand his kingdom. And so you're a gift to the body of Christ, own it. This is your family. This is your house. Uh, this is the land that God's blessed us with. This is the vision that God's blessed us with. Own it and recognize your life is a gift to fulfill that vision. And then thirdly, our lives are a gift to the world. We exist to love those for whom Christ died. Can you say amen to that? We're not, this is not just our own little personal joy ride. There's a mission involved. Some people say, well, you know, it's all about just love, love, love. Yes, it's love, but it's a love that doesn't become ingrown. It's a love that's always outward focused, outward reaching, loving the lost, loving the least, loving the one, leaving the 99 to get the one. You get the purpose here. So our lives are a gift to the planet, which is why God told us to go to all the nations of the world and to preach the gospel. So we're gifts to God, we're gifts to his church, and we're gifts to the world. And I love what Randy Alcorn says in his book, Money, Possessions, and Eternity, a great book. I encourage you to read it if you haven't. Randy says this, Christians are God's delivery people through whom he does his giving to a needy world. I love to picture this all in our, in our uh, you know, UPS outfits or FedEx outfits or whatever, and we're here. What, who, who, who are you? What do you do? Well, we're God's delivery people. What are you doing today? I'm taking the good news. I'm taking the generous heart of Jesus to a lost world. I'm a delivery agent for the kingdom of God. I deliver the goods for God. He says we're conduits of God's grace to others, and I love this. Our, in, our eternal investment portfolio How's that for cool? Eternal investment portfolio. I didn't even know I had one. Should be full of the most strategic kingdom building projects to which we can disperse 
God's funds. How many of you know you can build a portfolio here that's going to stay here after you die? Or you can send, build a portfolio that's going to have eternal consequences. And we're encouraging you, let's, let's build for a world that is, it is coming that is without end. Amen? That should be our focus. All right, I, I wanted to leave you, as we wrap up this series, I wanted to leave you with what I'm calling four life-changing principles that involve this whole vision of we love giving and having a, a heart of generosity. So I'm going to leave you with four takeaways this morning. Let's go to point number one. First one, generosity is my lifestyle. Say that with me, will you? Generosity is my lifestyle. How many of you know you can turn giving into an event, or giving can be just how you are, it's just who you are by nature? Uh, We can turn evangelism into an event, or you can live a lifestyle where you're constantly focused on loving and witnessing to people. How many of you know God's trying to get us to live a lifestyle, not just a special event? So even when it comes to our giving, uh, are you looking for opportunities intentionally to sow and to invest in other people and needs to meet needs, to be someone that has a generous heart? Our generous God, the Bible says here, gives us the seed of generosity to sow. Isn't this amazing? God's literally giving you seed that he, his intent is not for us to eat it. I love Pastor Kevin's illustration uh, we, didn't, we didn't coordinate this this morning, but I love how the Holy Spirit coordinates it. That when the farmers take that first swath of the field, they're actually going through the best, biggest, most, most healthy part of the crop, and they're not going to eat that or get rid of that. They're going to save that for the next harvest cycle. That's going to be the first fruits that they plant. How many of you know God has given us seed And he doesn't want us to eat the seed. The seed, the purpose of the seed is to look where we can release it. And I love Pastor Kevin also mentioned that even on the smaller gifts. Now this is not a matter of law. This is a matter of a heart. When God blesses you with something out of the ordinary, do you take a portion of that and tithe it back? Well, why would you do that? Because you get to. Because you can. Because it's seed. If you see what you have as seed, it changes everything. You can eat a seed or plant it. If you plant it, you get an innumerable more in return than if you eat it. That doesn't mean we can't eat some of it, but how many of you know don't eat all of it? Because then you're going to starve to death in the kingdom. So give it away. Here's what I'm wanting you to do. It's like, you know, we teach in biblical worldview. People view their world through a certain set of lenses, which is their worldview. I'm wanting you to add to your Christian worldview the lens of generosity, So that when we look out at life, we're not hoarders, we're not people that have a scarcity mentality, we're people that have an abundance mentality. In other words, we're looking for opportunities to give. Now, let me give you, I'm going to just share my own little struggles, okay? We had some folks that came here years ago, and they lived way down south, and so they found a church closer to home, which is great. We love them, we bless them and all that. But out of the clear blue, I got a a message, instant message from one of them, and he says, you know, I'm running in a race uh, for, for World Vision, which we all know World Vision, good, good organization. And, uh, and would you be interested in investing and uh, in sponsoring me? Well, instantly, by default, we tend to fall back to a scarcity mentality. And we start going, well, how much money do I have? And what bills are going out? And what am I believing God for? And what, what hasn't come in yet? And my first default, I'm just confessing to you, this because i got to get renewed. My first default was, I'm not sure I can make an investment in this guy's race. There's, in other words, there's other priorities in my life that I think are more important, and we give it other ways. Uh, and then the Lord just immediately kind of jerked my chain. And he says, um, that's not generous. 
Now, he wasn't mean about it. He's just God. And, you know, when he says things, you... And, and he, said, he said, no, what, what you should do is email him back and say something like this. So excited you're still running the race. So excited that you're participating and partnering with the Great Kingdom Ministry. Please send me the link. Our family would love to support you. You know why? Because that looks more like God than the other. And, but it's also more stretching to act like God. Because we really realize when we look in the mirror, mm, I don't think so. But we're not looking at the natural. We're looking at the God in whose family we belong and the God who's partnered with us. Amen? And so I remembered something that Jack Hayford said. Some of you heard of Jack Hayford, great man of God, pastor to pastors. And Jack Hayford said this. He says, I want to be so like God, and God is a generous God. I want to be so like God that whenever the little neighborhood kid comes up selling something or would you buy this ticket for Little League or would you, he says, I want to be the person that always says yes. Because a person that says yes is operating from a worldview, a, a lens of generosity that says there's more where this came from. And there might not yet be in your bank account, but it's in God's bank account. And have you noticed it's an amazing thing that when you let it go, you set something in motion, you didn't even realize God's already got your back covered. He was just waiting for you to step out in faith and be obedient to him. And so I'm wanting to challenge us. Man, let's put on the lenses of generosity. Let's give our lives away. In fact, the Bible says the more you're enriched by God, the more the scope there will be for your generous giving. In other words, God's wanting to challenge us to grow in this area. And I just want to say as a church family and as your pastor, I want us to be intentional about meeting the needs of others in this community. I want to give you all permission to dream as big as you want to dream. Let's dream together. How many of you know sometimes when your kids are dreaming, parents are putting dollar signs attached to it, and you're like, that'd be really nice. Or your wife's dreaming about remodeling your house, and there's always dollar signs attached to it. And bad husbands, our father, our father here, my father, your father, our bishop taught us, bad husbands shoot the dream down instead of just saying, well, honey, that's a great dream. We do need new carpeting, and we do need a new couch, and we do need new paint. And I'm going to believe with you that that's all going to happen. Instead of, we can't afford that. How many of you know when you come out with, we can't afford that, right down the toilet, there goes that vision right there. Don't be a dream killer. Let's be a dream uh, a mobilizer. Let's, let's believe God together. Why couldn't God do some of these things? Which leads me to my second point. My generosity is contagious. Let's, let's declare this together. My generosity is contagious. We just saw that happen today. Somebody was so moved, maybe they couldn't have attended the restoration house run, but they said, you know what? I'm going to match the $4,000. It was contagious because when you're around people that are giving and loving and serving, it inspires you and I to do the same. How many of you know our kingdom, we operate on the basis of multiplication, not merely addition. So God's wanting to supernaturally multiply the level of generosity in this place. The Bible said here, with the passage that we read, the more you are enriched by God, the more the scope there will be for your generous giving. And it says, for your giving does not end in meeting the wants of your fellow Christians. It also results in an overflowing tide. Can you? I love that picture. God's trying to overwhelm us with his 
provision and with everything that goes with it. Love for people, compassion for people, faith in God. How many of you would like a tsunami of God's goodness to hit you to where all your obstacles and all the things that kept you always saying, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, they just got blown away, washed away because of the tsunami of contagious generosity that hits the beaches here at Living Stones and sucks us all in over our head. That would be cool. So let's get rid of this scarcity mindset and let's believe God that when we give here faithfully, it's going to be contagious. We're going to raise up a whole army of givers. I like what they were saying too. All these little kids that are out doing their 5K run, they're learning from this high that I need to be a generous person and I need to invest in others who have needs. What a great lesson. That's what I'm talking about. It goes out in ripple effects, impacting more and more people. Solomon said this in Ecclesiastes 11, 1 and 2, and I'm quoting here from the Message Bible. He says, be generous, invest in acts of charity. Charity yields high returns. He says, don't hoard your goods, spread them around. Be a blessing to others. I was reading a great study this week by a guy named Dr. Stephen Post. He's the director of the Center of Medical Humanities, Compassionate Care, and Bioethics. That's a massive title at Stony Brook University in New York. I don't know if this man is a believer or not, but they did this extensive study to determine what makes people happy. And this is what he found out. I'm quoting him here. He said, giving is the most potent force on the planet. Give daily in small ways. And this is what he said. You'll be happier. He said, give and you'll be healthier. He said, give and you will live longer. This is a medical doctor. This is not a theologian. This is a medical doctor studying thousands of people. And the one variable that he found was generosity or giving. People that gave were healthier, happier, and lived longer. In fact, he made this claim. I think it's pretty awesome. He said, giving protects the overall health twice as much as aspirin protects against heart disease. Isn't that good? If people will have a consistent dose of giving to others, they're going to be healthy, happier, and live longer. And haven't you found this? Just bring it home. In your earlier days, when you were not the generous person that you are now, and when you were more self-centered, did we not find that when you're selfish, you're angry more, you're stressed out more, you fret about things more, and then all of a sudden you get saved and God begins to try to teach you what a great daddy he is, and the things you used to stress out about financially, you don't freak out about anymore. Am I speaking to the right crowd? The things that you used to burden you and cause you to get a migraine all of a sudden went out the window and you began to trust the Lord. Um, you began being happier because the focus wasn't on yourself. Some of the most miserable people on the planet are running around trying to make themselves happy. That's why you're miserable. It's like chasing butterflies. You will never catch those rascals, all right? I dare you. Chase a butterfly. You'll never catch a butterfly unless you've got a massive net. You'll never get them in their hand. They're everywhere, and that's the way happiness is. I want to be happy. I want to be happy. Well, stop chasing happiness. Why don't you look to make somebody else happy? Remember, your life is a gift. Give your life away to somebody else. And when you do, I had a brother this morning. It was so great. He said, man, you just feel so good when you give to somebody else. And, and then he said, is that okay? I mean, I just had to crack up because how many of you know it's, it's okay in the church? We're all about feeling good. We really are. How many of you say, God's all about feeling good. God is not a masochist. It's not like the more miserable I am, the more holy I am. No, 
that's not the way it works. How many of you know part of your happiness comes in blessing somebody else? And listen, feeling good about it. You're supposed to feel good about it because that's what you were made to do. You were made to be a blessing. You were made to be a gift. And when you function in that, there's an incredible sense of joy that happens in our hearts. Is this not the case? Anybody that's ever been on a missions trip, you know, we go there and we think we're going to, you know, we're going to be the gift. We're going to love these people, serve these people. And there's not a single person that's ever come back from one of those trips that does not feel so much more full after having gone than when they, than before they left. In other words, the kickback of what you gave is huge. You almost, you almost feel guilty for going, don't you, Pastor Dickinson? I'm like, do I really want to go on a mission trip? I'm going to feel so good when I get back home, and I just don't know if that's okay. It's okay, please. I want you to feel as great as you can giving your life away, and tell me if it's not the truth. Jesus said this, whoever seeks to save his life will lose it. But paradoxically, those who lose their lives for others and for the kingdom find it, and they're the ones that are most happy. All right, let me go to the next one here quickly. Number three, my generosity beautifies the gospel. My generosity beautifies the gospel. Pastor, what do you mean by that? Well, this is very interesting. The word generous, our English word generous, comes from an old French word, which means of noble birth. Now, think this was an explosion in my heart, all right? Think about this for a minute. Generous people were people who came from noble birth. Well, why, did, why were they generous? Because they had lots of resources to be generous with. So, Pastor, what does that have to do with us? Guess who we are? We're of noble birth. We're children of the King of glory. God, the ruler of all things, owner of all things, is our dad. How many of you know part of your inheritance, the Bible says, is planet Earth? It's mine. It's yours too. I'm sharing it with you, Jay. But it's mine. The Bible says the meek are going to inherit the earth. What's he talking about? It's the new heavens and the new earth. This is, this, is, this is ours. So I drive around and I look at some properties and look at the folks living on the ocean and look at all that. And I'm like, you guys just borrow it for now. But it, it's coming back into the family. It's ours. I mean, I'm, I'm as serious as can be. The cosmos is ours. Every star, get these guys, buy a star for the one you love for $56 or whatever. I already own it. Are you kidding me? (laughs) Buying a star. It's mine already. My dad owns this stuff. I'm a kid. I sit around his table. I'm a joint heir. You kidding me? Now listen, I'm sharing all this. We all, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the opportunity comes to write a check to somebody and you're like, wait a minute. No, I'm trying to tell you, yes, you can do that. You're a king's kid. You're rich. It's just not always in your pocket, but your dad's got you covered. Have you ever had your kids come up, Dad, Dad, I want to buy you a birthday gift. Great. Can I borrow some money? (laughs) Sure. Uh, It's like, Dad, I want to invest in that. But I don't have it. Can I borrow some money? Yes, let me help you. But many times you got to set the thing in motion. You all know what I'm talking about. Now, how does, how does being generous beautify the gospel? Listen to what the Bible says here in the passage we read. Your very giving proves the reality of your faith. Whoa! People come, well, pastor, why are you talking about money at the church? Because the fact of what you do with the money authenticates whether you have genuine faith. 
I keep telling you this. Don't be mad at anybody who's challenging you with your resources. Why are they doing that? They want you to make sure you're the real deal. How do people, you know, have you ever figured this out? If somebody's having a crisis, whatever that crisis is, and you go up to them and say, brother, I'm so sorry. We will be praying for you. How many of you know that's good? I mean, you want someone, that's not bad. I care for you. I'm genuine. I love you, and I will pray. But if he needs three bucks, which is just what you said, and I give you three bucks, that's a dirty Kleenex I found on the floor. But anyway, if I I give you three bucks, and I tell you I'm going to pray, all of a sudden, it sinks in a little bit better. Yeah, you can have that. I didn't use it. Somebody blessed you with that, though. It's good. It's anointed. There's something powerful when our love and our words and our preaching is backed by something genuine, like tangible. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And how many of you figured out when someone is really born again, God literally opens them inside out and they have a fresh perspective. First of all, they're grateful to God. Anybody grateful to God? I mean, you're in worship and you're just crying. You're like, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. That's a sign someone's really born again. Gratitude, thanksgiving for God pouring out of your heart. Where would I be apart from you, Lord? And then you begin looking out and realize, hey, there's people that have it worse than me. There's people that are hurting more than me. There's people who have greater needs than me. And God literally turns you inside out again so you begin to see the world differently. Isn't that crazy? And that's, seriously, that's one of the things a pastor looks at if someone is truly converted or not. Because you can sit in this church till the day you die and be the most selfish, greedy, stingy person alive and think you're good. And I'm telling you, you're not good. The Bible tells you you're not good. One of the signs that you're born again is you do this, not this. Just sitting in here means nothing. Being born again means you demonstrate the authenticity of who you are because you're now a son of the king of glory and guess what he's generous look at what he acted how he acted with you and me he's generous so we can't say one thing and do another but the bible says it beautifies the gospel because it proves the authenticity of our faith people are actually going to be drawn to you because of your generous heart this is awesome so i was thinking i was talking with mary and i was thinking about what we can do as a church to be intentional about our culture here. And we were thinking, you know, we do, a, we do a marriage retreat every year, and we encourage all of you to get away and invest in your marriage. But how many of you, I'm just asking, how many of you know somebody in your family right now, friends, family, whose marriage is really struggling? Okay, okay good. I mean, not good, but I, there's a lot of you. But, um, but here's my point. It's, it, it's good because it demonstrates my point. What if we believed in faith that if you would went to one of those folks that are struggling and said, look, our church really cares about marriages and God really cares about you. And so we'd like to provide you with this package getaway for two nights at the hotel where the conference is and we want to invest in your marriage because we know there's nothing more valuable uh, than making sure your marriage is clicking on all cylinders. Well, pastor, is that in the budget? No. How do you budget for radical generosity? It's kind of hard, isn't it? I mean, you can be predictable, but if you want to be radical, it's hard to budget for that. But how many of you know we've done this before? You know somebody that needs to go to an encounter weekend, but they don't have the money. Well, we scholarship them to the encounter weekend. In fact, 
why don't we just scholarship everything that we do to meet the needs of needy people and just believe that God will meet our needs? Wouldn't that be cool? Why don't we just, you know, I'm, just, I'm throwing out some examples here because I don't want you to be in one of those churches where they're always asking for money. <laughs> no, I'm not always asking for money. I'm throwing out radical ideas on how we might act like God and bless people. Is that okay with everybody? All right. Like our, guys, our guys in Mongolia that are slugging it out, they're first-generation believers. They're, God's exploding what they're doing there so much. They have to add on to their church. They can't fit anybody in, in the building. They need to raise, like, what was that? $35,000. By spring. Well, you know, we got stuff around here we'd like to invest in, too, you know. But here's the way I'm thinking. God's thinking. If we just believe them to sow $35,000 in Mongolia to be a part of what's exploding there, maybe God will rebound some of that back and explode, explode in here. What do you guys think? I mean, I, I just think that's the way it works. So the, the idea is, now again, hear me, that would be an invitation. Pastor's all, now he's asking for 35 grand. What's he think? Money grows on trees? <laughs> I know how we think. Nope, I'm not thinking that at all. I'm thinking this would be really cool. What can we do? What? Hey, you got you got a buck, you got a nickel, you got a dime, you got a th- oh, you got a thousand. Sweet. All right, we'll throw it in there, and we'll see what God does. That's all I'm saying. Let's just let's just be crazy and see what God begins to do because we're operating on the assumption that there's more where that came from. Remember my remember my drink illustration out at you know out of, out at Burger King. It's amazing how you don't have to fight over pop because you go over that machine. More pop comes out. Kids, you don't have to fight. There's more where that came from. You hear what I'm saying? All right. I'll go to my last point. I'm having too much fun. Number four, and we'll end with this. My generosity glorifies God's greatness. Oh, this is a good one. For God so loved the world that he gave. You're never going to be more like God, hear this, than when you give. When we give generously, we reflect the glory of his character. And I want you to see, just in this passage that we started with here in 2 Corinthians 9, listen to all the thanksgiving that's going to go back to God. He says, your gifts administered through us will mean that many will thank God. It also results in an overflowing tide of thanksgiving to God. Men, thank God that you practice the gospel. Oh, isn't that a great phrase? Men, thank God that we practice the gospel. You know, I was reading, and I'll close with this story. You know, when 2008 hit, you know, that was the big economic bubble collapse, and a lot of people were out of work. And how many of you know when when the congregation is suffering, the churches suffer? Because if you're not being blessed, the church can't be blessed. And so it was a time when a lot of churches were in terrible financial times, and we were one of those churches. We had to go through our own, you know, tightening our belt and cutting back and everything like that. And um, how many of you know the tendency when you're in a difficult financial time is you start thinking about survival? But survival is not something Christians should think about. Because God's already taken care of, of our survival. We should be focusing on thriving, not surviving. But we, we automatically, we start shrinking back, and everybody gets in, builds their silos, and they're going to make sure they keep what they have and make sure that they're good. Uh, forget the rest of the world. I'm going to make sure I'm safe and secure, right? I mean, that's the way we are by nature, by default. And Pastor Rick Warren, Pastor Saddleback Church, shared a, shared a story that was really powerful. He said when 2008 hit, 
you know, their people were suffering big time out in Southern California. Uh, that part of the economic sector was also uh, struggling. And, uh, and they started thinking, okay, you know what? If, if, our, if our people are hurting, our job as a church is to help minister to the people who are hurting. Help them. But they were going through the same cutbacks and pain that everybody else was going through. But here's the difference. This is how he thought. He said, you know what? We exist to meet the needs of people who are hurting. That's, why we, that's our business. This is what we do. This is who we are, right? We exist as God's people to meet the needs of hurting people. So they did their cutbacks and everything, but here's what they decided to do. They decided to give more. Well, what happened is they became $900,000 in debt. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's a pretty good-sized bill to pay right there. $900,000 in debt. But here's the cool thing. Pastor Rick wrote the congregation a letter, and this is what he said. We know that many of you are hurting. Some of you lost your job. Some of you had to go through cutbacks. Some of you, your business is struggling. Your business owners, you can't give what you used to give. We know that you're hurting, but we made a decision as a church that we're going to help hurting people. And so while we cut back on all of our necessary things and cut out the unnecessary things, um, we didn't cut back on our giving. And that's why we're $900,000 shy of meeting this month's budget. He sent that letter out to the congregation. Within a month, $2.5 million came in. They went from being almost a million dollars in debt to being $1.5 million in the black. When I heard that, in my heart just exploded. You know what? That's a different way of thinking. That is a kingdom way of thinking. You don't retreat. You advance. You don't cut back. You give more. Does this make sense? When I heard that, I was like, man, I want the privilege someday of being $900,000 in debt so I can write you guys a letter. Um, Because here's the point, and I mean that sincerely. I I don't think we're out of the woods yet economically. We have a massive debt that's going to explode. I'm I'm no economist, but you can't live your own life that way, and you certainly can't live collectively that way. I think we're coming on to some very difficult economic times. I'm wanting us to be the church that believes we have a supernatural God who is going to provide through to us supernaturally during those times so that his agenda keeps moving forward and it's always funded. Amen? Which means we have to learn to trust him, believe him, steward what he's given to us right now. We have to be good stewards. Um, we have to recognize it all belongs to God. We have to move in faith. We have to put the lenses of generosity on. We have to live as if our lives are a gift. Uh, we have to keep eternity in view. You know, I share with Pastor Dick and Susie, they have many years of missions experience. They've been through all ups and downs economically as in our economy. And invariably, the first thing churches cut when, when things get tight is missions. So I just told them, not at this church. We will never cut missions. We will, that'll be the first thing that we continue to fund because that's the Great Commission. It's what God's called us to do. And, if, and how many know if you're doing what God's called you to do, it's his job to fund it. Yeah, don't push it. All right. Where'd your Kleenex go? You need to blow your nose, all right, with that Kleenex. Come to your senses. So here's what we're going to do. I want you to stand to your feet with me. We're going to end this series with an opportunity to worship the Lord in our giving today. 
the, we're going to stay on our feet. The ushers will just pass the baskets while we worship. But here's what I want to do. I want to end today as we leave this place worshiping Jesus, thanking him he's on his throne, and choosing that my life is going to make a difference. I am going to live a generous life. Amen? And dedicate yourself to that purpose. I guarantee you, if you do that, you're in for an exciting journey of watching God move in amazing ways. So let's worship him.